0: Northwestern Medicine, relentless in their pursuit of better health care. Learn more at nm.org slash better. Chicago's Afternoon News, 720 WGN. It's Tuesday. That means we get an opportunity to have the doctor in. It's a house call. Dr. Jim Adams, chief medical officer at Northwestern Medicine, is with us. This is back to school time and is... For grandparents who take care of those little kids after school, how are you supposed to keep from getting every little disease that they bring home?
1: You know what? It's back to the basics. Hand washing and uh, soap and water really takes care of most problems. Uh, And it's good for the kids to learn basic hygiene. Take off your shoes, wash your hands, wash your face.
0: Take off your shoes. That's interesting, too, because they're tracking stuff in, huh?
1: They are. It's easy. It's pro- It's just a good habit to take off yeah. your
0: shoes. Uh, Dr. Adams joins us on Tuesdays. It's sponsored by Northwestern Medicine. Relentless in their pursuit of better health care. I don't know about if you have kids, Doc, but I'm telling you what, when, when my kindergartner, when, I mean, it was my only child and he would come home and I got sick every time because they were, but since COVID, we've all learned a thing or two. Speaking of COVID, The update, Illinois reports 3,800 new cases, seven deaths. Tell me about the COVID-19 nasal spray. They say it could be a potential game changer. Is this something we can look forward to?
1: Well, I do think we can look forward to it. Now, it's going to be a minimum two years away, but the early trials look good. Uh, Just a simple spray in the nose, but it has to go through the full trials. Nobody's going to compromise Full testing of safety and efficacy. They've got, it, but but they're they want to move this as far and as fast as they can. And I do think it's going to happen.
0: Okay, so I was watching um, somebody on News Nation Prime, and they said the virus is basically like a Trojan horse. It injects RNA into a cell and turns it into its personal copy machine. The science behind the nasal spray works to incapacitate that copy machine. Hey, I kind of get that. Could you put it into layman's terms for us?
1: Yeah, the viruses are tricky because they're so simple. It's just these these strands inside a capsule, and then it it uh, gets into the inside your cell, and then it starts causing your cell to manufacture the virus again. So it's very simple, but this nasal spray works a little differently than the others because it. Effectively gums up the work. It's it really is like putting chewing gum into your coffee machine. It's just gonna gum it up. So it's a really interesting and very good and very safe approach. Now the current vaccines try to um, try to attack the virus itself.
0: Oh no! I think we lost him. Yep, <laughs> I heard that phone go dead very quickly. Um, but he'll join us again. There's no doubt about it. I was what can also I help re- you
1: with, Lisa? Any questions uh, yeah, here? Yeah, can... can you
0: tell me about this nasal spray for COVID?
1: <laughs> well, you let know, me uh, know.
0: What I do like about it, they said, is it's easy to manufacture, to ship, and to store, because, you know, the vaccines have to be kept at a cold temperature, and this nasal spray would be able to survive at room temperature. And I don't know about you, Steve, but I have friends who are vaccine-hesitant, and for some reason... I think they might be more likely to do something like this. To uh, do a nasal spray rather than a shot? Yeah, I don't hmm. know why, but I'm i am going to ask them, but perhaps, I'm not sure. So, But yeah, like you said, it's two years away, but they're saying that it is a potential game changer, and that's all we want to know is can we just get get this behind us, you know, and something like this might actually lead the way. Dr. Jim Adams, are you back with us? I am back. Okay, good. Uh, he's the chief medical officer at Northwestern Medicine. So about two years away, and they say that this this potential COVID nose spray would take care of all variants?
1: Well, because it gums up the machinery, it really doesn't matter the variants. It works on the, the mechanics of the virus of how it hijacks your own cells to replicate itself.
0: Amazing. Okay, I'm sure you read that there's a dog with monkey pox. I did read that it was uh in the home of of two people who actually have monkeypox and then the dog yeah. got monkeypox is it is it possible a dog could go to a dog park and get it from another dog
1: so probably not this does really so far looks like it requires close rubbing skin to skin contact that the owners uh, that did have monkeypox uh, rubbed against the dog and it doesn't seem that the animals are going to rub up against each other that intensely it's theoretically possible have not seen that at all yet
0: okay yeah they said that they they cuddle and hug their dog they let the dog sleep in the bed with them so of course that put the dog at risk and so i guess the suggestion for anyone who does have monkeypox is to not engage with your dog keep a distance
1: or your family members because uh, there is a case where their parents the um, you know, start to kiss and hug their child, and their child can get monkeypox. So, you really, it is transmissible. You got to avoid skin to skin to contact until you're fully healed, and that can be a couple of weeks.
0: And um, are they changing the name of monkeypox? Are they working on that? What's going on?
1: They are. There's a big. Uh, uh, issue at the World Health Organization to try to make sure that the names of the diseases are neutral, that they don't stigmatize. And surprising to me, people were attacking monkeys and people were attacking people where they think monkeypox originated. So we've seen that at COVID too. So the World Health Organization is very sensitive to these terrible behaviors that are misguided. So really want to make sure that the names of all these don't signal an origin or a a geography, or even an animal.
0: The doctor is in. It's Dr. Jim Adams. And coming up next, we'll talk about why men are at higher risk of cancer, more so than women. We'll see if there's truth to that. But first to check on weather and traffic with Mary Vandeveld. Chicago's Afternoon News, 720 WGN. I'm Lisa Dent. Thanks for checking in this afternoon. Uh, According to a study that appeared in the journal Cancer, the only types of cancer less frequently diagnosed in males than females were gallbladder and thyroid cancer. So is it true, Dr. Jim Adams, he's with us, he's from Northwestern, that men are at higher risk of cancer than women?
1: In that way. Now, we've known for a long time the men are die at younger ages of all the top 10 killers and this is true of cancer and people say well it could be lifestyle or stress or some other things but it looks like there may be a genetic component women have xx chromosomes that and there's there's spots on there that help the immune system combat cancer and if those aren't working well the men have higher risk of cancer but the women have a backup copy that the men don't have. So it really does look like there's an explanation for why men genetically may be at higher risk for cancers.
0: Interesting. Does it have to do with estrogen, then?
1: So so people hypothesized estrogen as a protective factor. There may or may not be truth to that, but it looks like there may be a genetic component. Now, we still know that um, lifestyle matters a huge degree. And exercise, eating right, high-fiber foods, fruits and vegetables, all that stuff really is protective against cancer and should be done. But even when that's controlled for, it still looks like there's a genetic component, and people will figure out how to bolster the immune system to combat cancer. The biggest thing we can do is control lifestyle, and that matters for all of us.
0: And doctor, other than lifestyle, is it likely that perhaps men do not go to the doctor as quickly or as often as women
1: do? Well, so there's truth to that also, for sure, and um, early detection really is key, but even controlling for all of those things, there, there's, there's these areas, these genetic um, indicators that does seem to put men at higher risk, which is all the more reason that men should go to the doctor early, should get their screening, and should live healthy lifestyles, exercise, healthy nutrition.
0: Yeah, I saw, I I think if I'm reading this right, that it said they're at a 11% greater risk for esophageal cancer and a 50% greater risk for lung cancer.
1: Right. Yeah, no, no, that's true. And even now smoking is a big explanation, but even in the absence of smoking, uh, there's still lung cancers and it's still more common, far more common in men.
0: Interesting. Dr. Jim Adams, chief medical officer at Northwestern Medicine, is with us. The hottest thing on the Internet this week or over the past week was to text your mom. Mom, did I did I get the polio vaccine? And so I was thinking, did I get the polio vaccine? I don't know. Is that a concern for us since a case popped up in New York?
1: Well, it should be a concern. Now, admittedly, more than 90 percent people are vaccinated against polio. None of us will remember it because we got four shots between two months and six years old. So we got it before first grade and entered first grade. And it is a mandatory vaccine. So the vast majority of us did get did get it. And we are protected. But there are still uh, in some states, five, six, seven percent of people did not get their polio vaccine, and really do need it. The polio has been detected in several counties in New York State. We had thought we eliminated it uh, by 1979; it was going away, and here now it's popping back up. People should have um, make sure you did get your polio vaccine.
0: Yeah, and like you said, it's done when you're young. And isn't that required before children go to school?
1: It's absolutely required for school entry. And that's why the vast majority of people do have it. And if you got your childhood shots, you got your polio, you're good. But the people who didn't get their shots, their families know it. Okay. So it is worth a question.
0: A texter came in, said it took no time for them to come up with a shot for COVID. Now, all of a sudden, with the nose, they want to wait two years. What's going on with that?
1: Well, the, the, um, the, the speed of the shot still went through all the safety checks. And if the company can get funding as fast as the original COVID, they could accelerate that to your timeline, too. But they've got to get tens of thousands of people into safety checks and then hundreds of thousands into safety and efficacy. It takes money and time.
0: Yeah, that takes governmental influence, doesn't it? And lots of funding. And that's why the vaccine for COVID was completed so quickly, because of the money that was thrown at it?
1: Yes, it received not only money, but a lot of unhelpful bureaucracy was eliminated. And just the essential safety checks were were done. And it really expedited. There's books being written on the on the initiative to make this happen so quickly. And it was it was done well, I have to say.
0: What about the potential vaccine for Lyme disease? Most people kind of go, ah whatever. But for those that suffer from it, it's a pretty serious issue.
1: Oh, this is a very big deal. And with climate change and warming, the, the ticks are, are spreading. So, this is a very, very big deal. It's, it's actually hard to detect because about a third of the people won't ha- have this characteristic bullseye rash. And this rash doesn't hurt. So, it goes away if people ignore it. And the blood tests are not perfect if it's early in the, in the disease. And a lot of people don't see, didn't even know they got a tick bite. But the symptoms can be of high consequence and long term. So these researchers found a protein on the, the capsule of Lyme that they did a vaccine against, and it looks like it's working. They've got to make sure it, it definitely mounts a very safe antibody response. They've got to test it, make sure it's effective. But there's a lot of Lyme disease. It's a tough problem, and it would be fabulous to have a vaccine against it.
0: And would this be a one-time shot?
1: So far, it looks like it would be a one-time shot. But again, we won't know until after the full testing to see how much immunity the shot creates and how long it lasts. So that's why the next stage of testing has to go on.
0: I'm telling you what, I would take it. I've got a dog with Lyme disease and there are days that dog cannot even stand up. And I can't imagine what it's like as a human dealing with it.
1: Yes, and especially people, rural areas, the hunters, all the people who like outside activity in the woods, all this. It's so wonderful to do that. And this vaccine would be so, so helpful.
0: Well, thank you for joining us. We always appreciate your input. I wish that we could have a doctor on call every single day.
1: (laughs) It's my pleasure. Bye-bye.
0: Dr. Jim Adams from Northwestern. Hey, Leland is going to join us coming up. And he sent over a topic that he's going to cover on his show. And I looked at it and I thought, what? What is this about? So he'll have some more information. The Minneapolis Teachers Union Agreement stipulates that white teachers be laid off first, regardless of seniority. We'll talk about that coming up. This has been uh, the Temp Check. Brought to you by American weathermakers Dick and Elizabeth, our friends, the 60 Minute Men, and Steve's got your newscast coming up next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom.